There we go. Welcome to the Armor Up 613 podcast where we are preparing men for the spiritual battleground. Because remember, men, it is a battleground, not a playground. My name is Mark Rice, and I am joined by Jonathan Denton. Here I am. Here you are. And Mr. Aaron Wojcik. What's up? What's going on, gentlemen? Here we are for another episode of Armor Up 613, guys. This is uh, episode number two. Can you believe it? Excited. You sound excited. You said number two. What number is it? It is number two because we started with zero. <laughs> I was making a poop joke. Sorry. <laughs> that was I have st- an eight-year-old. It was a stinker. Oh, number two. I get it. <laughs> Jeez. All right, guys. So on this episode, we are going to continue with our series covering the armor of God. The last episode that you heard was more of an intro to the armor of God. We did uh, pretty much like an overview of the scriptures where the Apostle Paul made reference to God's armor and gave that general overview concerning the different pieces of the armor. But now we are going to dig in to each specific piece of the armor of God and talk about how it relates to each and every one of us as a soldier for Jesus. Yeah. How about that? So guess what the first one is? Belt of truth. I think you looked at the notes. You cheated. I know. Jeez. All right. So this episode is the first piece of armor, the belt of truth, right? What is it about the belt, guys? So in Ephesians 6.14, Jonathan, you got your Bible open? I do. I'm ready to go with it. Let's go ahead, man. Break it down just a little bit. The Bible says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Your loins. Your tender loins. Let's see here. So we t- <laughs> 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 Sorry, man. That's so funny. All right. <laughs> Oh, so the belt of truth. Why do you think Paul mentions this piece of armor first? What what what's the significance? Well, the truth is Christ. Um, Jesus said in in John that I am the way, I am the truth, and I'm the life. Um, if if Christ is not at the beginning of everything that we do, then what we do is going to fail. And I think that's what Paul was trying to say here. In Ephesians is that coming out of the gates, you know, truth has to be at the very beginning of what we do, which is Christ. Christ is the truth. Um, in layman's terms, men, for us, if we're buying a house, then Christ has got to be first. Uh, if we're starting a new job, then Christ has to be first. Um, you know, the second part of that is this, is that if we don't have the truth, then we're always going to believe every wind of doctrine and teaching and be carried away with the trickery of men. Um, the first thing we must do is to be able to discern in our lives what is truth and what is a lie. Right. Or plainly spoken, what is Christ doing in my life versus what is my flesh trying to do? Because there is a big difference there. And at the very beginning of this, the belt of truth, uh, we have to have Christ at the center of our lives to be able to discern what is God doing and what is my flesh trying to do. Because I think every man that's listening to this can testify uh, to the fact that there's a lot of uh, passions that we have 
to where we want to see our works be done. We yeah. want to see our desires, our fleshly lust, uh, you know, take preeminence. Uh, but Paul was saying the belt of truth is all about having Christ number one. Absolutely. And going back to <clears throat> to to the belt, you know, I, I think it's good if we go back and talk about the practical use of the belt in in that time like a roman soldier like what did the belt do for that soldier right and when we're talking about a belt we're not talking about the the nice leather belt that you you probably wear with your slacks or um depending on where you're from maybe you just use a rope to keep your pants tied i I don't know whatever a belt is to you a belt back then you know it wrapped around the soldier it was very thick it was a heavy heavy leather right right very durable very sturdy and it, it had a metal band around it. But it also had leather straps with these metal uh, pieces that would go down the front of the soldier for protection. And you'll see these in our show notes that we'll upload onto our website to give you more of a visual. And so the belt, it wraps its it, all the way around the soldier, right? And it, and it helps secure other pieces of armor to the soldier, right? It's actually shown that it's a connecting point for the breastplate. It's a connecting point. It's a resting point for the the breastplate. Right. And also what you'll find on there is what's called a scabbard. And I'm not talking about the thing that you pick, you know, a wound that's healing, you know, scabbard. Nice. Anybody? I was following you. Can you put a picture of that on the show notes, too? I I will. I have a scabbard on my ankle. So what's a scabbard? I'm glad you asked, Aaron. Thank you, sir. Um, that's That's what holds the soldier's sword. The scabbard is where the soldier would place his weapon, right? Without the scabbard, the soldier, he has nowhere to place his weapon. So the belt, as we see for the soldier, it's multifunctional. It's there for protection, to protect his loins. It's also there as a connecting point for other pieces of the armor and also a holding place for his weapon. It holds the sword, which is the sword of the spirit. Is that right? That is correct. And the Bible says they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I love how those two things tied together because what was holding forth that spirit was truth. And when we worship him, we worship him in spirit and in truth. There's a lot to that. Uh, But I love how scripture is so intertwined together that when you start looking at the details of things, it, it it fits together like a perfect glove. It's really a beautiful picture. Absolutely. So going from there, we're talking about the the resting place for righteous the breastplate of righteousness. For me, when I think about the belt of truth, you think about the foundation of your faith. Right. What does it have to be rested upon? Your truth. Right. Right? That truth has got to wrap itself around you. So how, how important would you think it would be to have a solid foundation based upon your truth? So what is truth, though? When you say truth, because I know a lot of times words get thrown around like doctrine and truth. And, and, you know, and I, do, I do agree that everyone has to establish their understanding of truth, what it is to them. But, you know, for the sake of conversation, what is the truth that we're talking about here? 
It's a good question, Jonathan. And I think that goes back to what we was just talking about as far as Jesus Christ said, I am the way and that I am the truth and that I am the life. Christ was the one that was at the center of everything that we do. Um, Paul tells us to have the our loins girt about with truth. So watch this. I was looking at this word loins, and uh, in, in Greek it means osphus, uh, which it's meaning the hip area, and it has, watch this, procreative power. If you look that word up in the original Greek, it's the hip area, and it has procreative power. The same wording is used in 1 Peter 1.13, wherefore gird up your loins of your mind mm. and be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The word is teaching us that our minds have procreative power. We give life to things in our minds. There has never been, think about this, the, the latest gadget the latest technology that's that's come about and it's changing so rapidly, it first began with a thought. It began in somebody's mind. They thought that up and it had procreative power. And we have a we have a choice, Paul said, to either produce truth or to produce lies. The very first scene, think about this, the very first scene in the Bible is a serpent getting into the mind of a woman to make her believe a lie. How important is a solid foundation of truth? Ask Eve. Because that moment of deception ruined our world. So my point is this, is that the enemy wants to plant seeds of deception within the minds of men because our minds have procreative power to do incredible things for the kingdom of God. But if he can get us to believe lies and deceive us, then he has just won the battle and he will destroy our world. So let me break that down to every man that's listening to this podcast. At the beginning of everything that we do, we have to have the belt of truth. We have to know what is truth and what is lies. We have to know where Christ is working in our lives and where we are trying to work. Where is the enemy trying to deceive you right now? How is the enemy coming into your life? Because the Bible says we cannot be ignorant of Satan's devices, and he wants to make us believe lies and deceive us. That's why truth has got to be at the foundation of everything that we do. You know, and Aaron proposed a question. He said, well, what is, what is truth? You know, and how do we know what we believe is the truth? There's many religions out there. There's many ways of thinking, and they may think that they have the quote-unquote the truth. But as the Christian you know, um, Jonathan, you brought this up, John 14 and 6, where J Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Right. But I also love John 8 and 32, where he says, um, well, actually, this is Jesus, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you what? Free. So if you feel yourself bound up today, and you feel like there's no liberty in your life, do you know the truth? That's good. Are you walking in the truth? Do you have the belt of truth covering you? Right. Right? Are you walking in that truth? Because if you if you if you're if you're walking like in a spirit of oppression and depression and you feel like you, you just have no sense of liberty. Well, you have no freedom in your life because you're not walking in 
the truth. You're not covered by the belt of truth. Right. And I, and I think, again, talking about truth, a lot of times we associate that word in, in Christianity with truth to be doctrine. And, and then it becomes an argument of who, whose truth is the most correct. But really, and I'm not saying that's, that's, that's not a part of what's true um, or truth, but when Jesus talked about being the truth, he, he wasn't necessarily, I don't feel, talking about necessarily doctrine, but things like, I feel, for example, that Christians are experts at knowing what they are supposed to do or how they're supposed to be living and, and telling other people about a gospel that makes you free, but not living free. Uh, in other words, That's we know good. exactly how to witness to people to say, hey, man, you can be free from that. While as we speak to that person living in bondage, mostly condemnation about how we feel God is unpleased or he's displeased with how we're living or what we're struggling with. And instead of, you know, understanding the truth that God's love is unconditional, it's not based on those things. And God does, is not the author of convict. Uh, he's not the author of con- condemnation. He's the author of conviction in our life. Right. And, and so in other words, truth in, in how we feel about ourselves and the confidence that we have in ourselves has a lot to do with us believing the truth that God has come not to destroy us or to be angry at us, but to free us from sin. And that the, the quicker we are to believe the truth that, Hey, we need God. We don't need to please God by trying harder. We need to give up completely and rely on God for everything. And then that truth becomes the basis of your life that a, a breastplate of righteousness right. can rest on, that righteousness will come out of your life based on your understanding the truth that righteousness is not me working harder to try to be more of, or a better Christian, but for me to realize that the truth that God has created me t- with the only way out is through him and freedom through him. Amen. You know, girding up your loins, it meant this, when you look it up in, in the history of it, is that the men and women, they wore tunics. And so when they went to battle, they would lift them up. They would lift the hem of the tunic up, and they would tuck it in their girdle, and they would tie a knot. So the effects basically created a pair of shorts that gave them the freedom to move around. So when he said gird up the loins, he meant take what was a skirt, hem it up, tuck it into the girdle, tie a knot, and to basically you're now going to have freedom to move around. When the expression was made to gird up the loins, it meant get ready for battle and get ready to do, to do some work. In other words, when Paul was saying, gird up your loins, this was the very first thing he was saying. Paul was telling them, okay, get ready to man up. Get ready to, to do some work. Get ready to, to go to battle because we all know that this is spiritual warfare. Right. This is, as, as you've said, you know, at the beginning of all of our episodes, it's a battlefield and it's not a playground. So us men, we have to condition our minds to know that every day when we get up, we have to man up. Right. That's what we said. When we get up, we got to armor up. We got to make sure that we're putting every piece of that armor on. And it starts with the belt of truth. Right. right? And Aaron had, had brought up the breastplate of righteousness. And we were talking about how the breastplate of righteousness, where we're going to get into the next episode, um, you know, is 
it, it to me when I when I hear that righteousness rests upon truth, right, right. To me, it's like they go they're going to go hand in hand. And I did just a little bit of digging, and we'll go in our next episode is what we're going to be covering the breastplate of righteousness. I don't want to go too far, but when you look in the concordance, righteousness means the doctrine concerning the way in which man may attain a state approved by God or the broad sense, uh, the state of him who is as he ought to be righteousness, the condition acceptable to God, right? Our righteousness is a state approved by God, how we live, how we think, how we, and that falls back on what? Truth. On your truth. But what the enemy wants to do is lie to us. Right. That's right. And, and, it, and that's that's where the enemy's attacking us is through lies. And through this way here, it also says in the concordance what righteousness is. It's integrity. It's virtue. It's purity of life. It's rightness. Correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. It goes a lot back to what Aaron was just saying a while ago about how uh, the enemy wants to lie to us and tell us that we're not approved by God. Right. And the enemy wants to lie to us and tell us that we're not good enough. That that you know we will never measure up. Um, Satan always wants to take the truth with lies. Think about all the ways that the enemy's trying to lie to us as men. The greatest weakness for a man is his appearance of weakness, and the enemy wants to make us think that we are weak. If he can make us believe that lie, then in return we're going to be weak, and we're and we're going to think that we're not approved of by God. Every man that's listening to this, you are approved by God, and God loves you. It's his grace that has saved us. It's his favor over our lives that has given us uh, to be in right standing with God. And I think something to remember always in talking about truth and lies is as as men, I think a lot of times we're focused on integrity in these things and trying to embody these things and, and control that part of our life. But the Bible says, as far as righteousness is concerned, it says our righteousness to God is like filthy rags. So that's basically saying what you think is your best, the best that you could possibly live, <laughs> God considers it filthy rags. Right. And and so the point there is not that we can never, you know, do enough. It's that, and that, I guess that's kind of true. But to understand that that's not a dig at us, that's not a slam, that's right. saying that without God, we can't, but with God, we can. And the truth there is, is you know, that righteousness comes to us through us relying on God. And, and it's, it's funny that it's, it's, we're, we're talking about manning up, and, but I think sometimes it takes a bigger man to admit weakness and to be humble and, and you know, show weakness, maybe not to everybody, but even admitting to yourself that you're not strong enough to do all the things that you know you're supposed to do. And, and the, the product of that, though, is once you figure that out, you're not constantly down on yourself and you start to feel like, hey, you know what? I, I you know, I have problems in my life, but I know the person who can help me. And it's not up to me to, to fix every single thing. It's just up to me to rely on the one who can. Absolutely. And I think um, for men, it's like we we're believing this lie that I got this by myself. Like, I, I don't I don't I don't need your help. Um, I don't have any problems or I'm, I can manage my own problems. And we think that until it's too late. But we need to own the truth that 
you need somebody. You need a brother that you can trust. You Absolutely. need you need um a, a voice in your life that can ask you the tough questions. Right. 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 Somebody who who can speak into your life and who you can share your um share those weaknesses with. They're that it's okay. Right. Men have been conditioned to keep keep your troubles to yourself and not share right, right your struggles. And I think we mentioned this in the last episode too is we self-destruct Right. We internalize everything, and because we don't want to look weak, then we we just internalize everything, and we continue to play this little uh, horrible game with ourselves and with with our spouses and with our coworkers, and it it turns into a a nasty game that we play. Right. I think a lot of times we're we're looking up to somebody who we felt was the person we want to most copy their behavior. But a lot of times we have to be careful because the person who looked really strong and like they were self-sufficient, if that's the kind of person you're looking to try to copy, you probably should beware because that person probably was an expert at looking like they had no issues and that they were always strong. And for me, in my experience as a man, I found that the people that I want to most copy are the, the men who were the first to come forward and say, hey, I have a weakness in my life. Because I think that takes more strength and more character and, and, and humility. And that's a bigger man up moment than, than the person who wants to sit over in the corner and look tough. Absolutely. God never used a man that had it all together. Never. Uh, if you look at Jacob in, in the Old Testament, if, if there was ever a man that was more messed up in the Old Testament, it was Jacob. Jacob was a deceiver. He was a supplanter. Like when you read Jacob's life, you don't know whether to root for him or to say, what are you doing? I mean, he was constantly getting himself in messes. And this is the thing is that, man, we are never going to be to the place of perfection to where, you know, we have our life all together. But this is the thing is our identity. This is what we need to hear. Our identity is not found in us, but our identity is found in Christ. Because every day you get up, we live in sin. We're sinners because we live in this sinful world. And the facts are is that we're not going to get it right. But the truth of God rests over us. It's his word that rests over us. And I want to maybe share this with you very quickly and give you a cliche that the facts are not always the truth. The facts are not always the truth. I'll give you an example. In, in the New Testament, Lazarus was dead. For four days, Lazarus was dead. Um, the, the Bible says that even by now, after four days, his body was stinking. But when the truth stepped on the scene, the facts were no longer the truth. Uh, the facts were is that Peter was an old cussing fisherman that could never get it right. But when the truth came into his life and he loved him and had confidence in him, the facts were no longer the truth. So as men, we face many facts. A lot of us, we shouldn't be where we are. We have a lot of shortcomings. We have a lot of failures. However, Paul said, before you do anything in battle, remember this. Protect yourself with the truth. Stop looking at your life the way everyone else sees it. The truth, which is Christ, sees us as something different. That's good. I love it. Especially coming from the Apostle Paul. Right. Right. His conversion, right? Saul, right? He was there when Stephen was being stoned. Yeah, right. 
He's on his way. He's on the road to Damascus. This guy never met Jesus physically. He wasn't one of the disciples who walked with, with Jesus. But when but when the Lord came to him, uh-huh. when truth came to him right. and changed his lie, he is one of the greatest he's one of the greatest people that we talk about to this day. Right. To me, I, it just blows my mind that you had twelve disciples. Technically you had thirteen. You count Judas, of course. He never walked with Jesus. And everything that he went through for a man that he never met in person. Yeah. But I think that speaks to the authenticity of his relationship. He never physically walked with Jesus, but he, he spiritually walked with him, you know, daily. And it was a constant part of him. And I mean, that's, that's hope for us is none of us will ever have the opportunity to walk with Jesus in the flesh but we have that we can take strength from a, a real authentic relationship with Christ that is all the strength that we need. And it's, it's not about falling down. We're all going to fall down and mess up. The speed at, at, that we get up, though, it speaks to how much we've learned that, that God is not against us. He's for us, and, and we are just, we're relying on him and leaning on him. And, again, that comes with a relationship, Absolutely. understanding that. How fitting is it that the Apostle Paul would be the one sitting in jail and writing this letter to the church in Ephesus and giving us, giving that church, which this letter is passed down to us to use, to tell us about the armor of God. Right. To tell us about the belt of truth, because the truth came to Paul and it set him free. Right. And he became the greatest missionary teacher, preacher that we ever think of in the Bible. And he shares that with us because of that relationship, as you said, Aaron. He never got the ability to walk with Jesus, but there was a there was a true relationship, a true spiritual relationship that gives me hope. Right? It always comes back to relationship, doesn't it? It does. It always comes back to our relationship with Christ. Uh, Men, whoever's listening to this right now, whoever's going to be listening to this, uh, it it all boils down to our relationship with him. And the closer that we get to God, the less of ourselves that we see. The closer that we get to him in our relationship, the more of the truth is revealed in us and through us. Less of us and more of him. John even said that. John said, God, you have got to increase, and I have got to decrease. And that's that's where it is for us men, because the more that we decrease, the more Christ we see in our lives. Amen. I think one of the, the greatest truths and and for me, and, and this is something I feel like I've gotten to just in the past couple of years, is understanding how God feels about me and to the point where I have a confidence and knowing what God thinks about me to where it's not, Oh yeah, I know what people say, but I don't, I don't really feel that. I don't really feel like he loves me in spite of everything. And just the conversion of, of, for me living, trying to get God's approval and, and sin in my life only created just, 
a hopelessness and, and a feeling like, man, I'm never going to be able to do what I feel like, what I know I'm supposed to do. And, you know, just coming to understand how God is, is not angry at me. He's, he, he hates sin only because of what it does to me. It's, it's not that God is, is, is just like disgusted and surprised or shocked and, like man, I'm so tired of him just not doing what I'm told, what I've told him to do, and just understanding that for myself as as my personal truth has has changed the way that I, that I live. In fact, I feel like I struggle less with sin because I I think about I'm I'm not my life is not focused on trying to win back God's love. I'm focused on the fact that He loves me in our relationship. And, and that has brought me strength that, that has helped me change the way that I look at, at, at sin in my own life. And it's caused me to have a strength that I didn't have before. Think about our children. Like uh, Aaron, me and Aaron's got three little rug rats running around, and there is nothing that they could do that would make me love them more. My love for them is constant. And think about how all the times we are trying to prove to God and prove to everybody else uh, that, hey, I'm trying to earn this. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I can just keep doing certain things, then God will love me more. And that is a lie. Like, he has a little checklist. Like, a little, you know, you get a little check by your name. Like, right. Good job, Jonathan. You made it to church. Right. Good job, buddy. You know, our, our kids, our kids, they're, they're just a hoot. They are so much fun to be around. They're. Our oldest is ten, and we got twins that are eight, and they're just at that age right now to where they're just so vulnerable to life, and they are just so much fun to be around. And they have triumphs and they have tragedies, even at this age. Uh, you know, things that they do at school, rewards that they get, and coming home and they had a horrible day, but that never changes my love for them. And and man, you got to take the pressure off of yourself that God loves you more than anything, and there's nothing that you can do that would ever change the love of God. What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. Absolutely Height, nothing. Height, depth, angels, wickedness, principalities, whatever. The list goes on and on. But there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. What happens is, is until you come to that realization and accept it and believe it, is everything that you do, you're doing it for the wrong thing. You could be doing the right thing. Like we all know that reading our Bible is something that's it's a right thing. But if you're reading the Bible because you're afraid, if you don't, that God's going to be angry with you, you're missing the point and you're not going to, it's not going to be a part of your relationship. It's not going to be the mouthpiece of God in your life because you're not doing it to receive that. You're not doing that as a part of a relationship. You're doing that out of fear Right. And out of, of just a a religious act. And it's the same for church attendance, outreach. It doesn't matter what it is. Right. If the reason that you do those things is to try to earn favor with God, then then it's it's going to fall flat and it's going to leave you unfulfilled and you're going to be a frustrated person, unfortunately, n- not experiencing what God really has for you. Right. You're, you're no, no better than a Pharisee. Right. Right. If what, if what we do is just so we can get on God's good side or we can earn the favor of God or earn the, the love of God or just so people see us do these good works, and you, we, we truly don't understand the truth. Right. And we're truly not living free, like Christ said, you know, where there's truth. You know, he's here to set us free. 
He is the truth, and he's here to set us free and not to live a bound-up life. And he doesn't want that for us. Like, people, we, we walk around, we, we live what you're talking about, trying to earn that approval. Like, people look at God like he has a rod in his hand, and he's just ready to crack you upside the head for not doing doing something, right? Yeah, I was thinking of a scripture while you guys were talking here. It's in John 18, verse 37. Uh, this is when Christ is on trial, and he's getting ready to be crucified. And the Bible says in John 18, 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, Are thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Jesus said this, Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate then said unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find no fault in him at all. The reason why they could find no fault in him is because he was nothing but the truth. Right. And and this is and this is the tagline that I wanted to bring out is Jesus said, Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. When you hear his voice, you don't hear the lies that the devil is trying to tell you. The the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And men, you have got to get an ear. You've got to hear the voice of God in your life again. Every lie that the devil is trying to tell you, you've got to, you've got to block that out, and you've got to hear the shepherd's voice. You've got to get an ear for him. Uh, you know, going back to the Garden of Eden, if Adam and Eve would have embraced the truth, their actions would have been right before God. When our lives are in line with Christ, and when we hear His voice then right choices will automatically come because we'll have a revelation of truth. Absolutely. So we're talking about going back to the belt of truth and how, you know, of course, supporting foundation for the breastplate of righteousness. But the belt of truth, the very first armor that Apostle Paul breaks out for us, two purposes, to be firmly established in the truth of God's word. The truth is what holds God's word, right? with the scabbard that's connected to the belt. So we got to ask ourselves a question, right? Who or what has the final say in my life? Right. Right. When it comes to some of the decisions I'm making, um, how to navigate relationships, how you guys parent, how I raise my dog, whatever, <laughs> you know, how, how your work life, you know, your, your, your work ethic, you know, how you worship and believe, you know, who who has that final say? Right. Are we following the truth of, of Christ or are we going by our, our feelings? Right. Because we know our feelings do what? They get us in trouble. Absolutely. Every time. 100%. When you, when you follow after your feelings. Uh, and this goes back to what we've been talking about, who or what has the final say so in my life. That's when you got to hear the voice of the Father. you got to hear the voice of truth. And uh, your emotions... If you serve God based upon your emotions, your relationship with God will be a roller coaster ride. Absolutely. Because every day when you get up, you feel differently. Every day when you get up, you're either on a high or a low. If you serve God based upon your emotions, and if your emotions have the final say so, then you're going to be on a rocky roller coaster. But when your relationship with God is served based upon who He is, who the truth is, then you start having a consistent relationship with him. Amen. Well, guys, I think we're going to put a bow on this one, huh? 
Amen. What do you guys think? Or a belt. Or a See what I did there? Oh, man, that was good. <laughs> we're going to put a belt of truth on this one, guys. So remember. That's stupid. I know, right? The belt of truth, the first armor here that we're we've, uh, diving into, you got to wrap yourself around the truth. Right. Your truth has got to wrap itself around you, and you've got to put it on daily because, as we said, it holds a foundation for the other pieces of the armor, and it also serves as the holding place for your weapon, the sword of the Spirit, right? Gentlemen, thank you guys so much for joining us here at Armor Up 613 Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our first uh, armor, our digging into the belt of truth. Hope that we got to uh, draw some some facts and, and open some spiritual eyes um, about this. We're really excited about going through these different armors and breaking those out. And how can we use those arm putting on the armor every day, understanding the armor, and will only help us defeat the enemy. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. All right, gentlemen, join us next week when we dive into the breastplate of righteousness here on the Armor Up 613 podcast. And remember, this is a battleground, not a playground. For Jonathan and Aaron, I'm Mark Rice, and we will see you next week. Where do I need to start at? I forgot what I said. Welcome to the Armor Up 613 podcast, where we are preparing men for the spiritual battleground. Because remember, it's a battleground, not a playground, gentlemen. You say battleground? I think I screwed that up. You think about chicken? (laughs) I thought the same thing. This is a a battleground. It's a battleground. Get your chicken ready. We're going to fry them up. (laughs) Somebody's hungry. Some tenders.